0: 1 Corinthians 12, and once again, this chapter starts out concerning spiritual gifts. Brother, I'd not have you ignorant, and we're going to pick it up with the 27th verse once again as we pass and review briefly. So please extend your faith this way and agree with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you again for the great teacher, the person of the Holy Spirit. And because we have Him, we do not have to take creeds and doctrines that originate with men, powerless. We have pure access to the best You have. And because of Him, we do not have to settle for anything less than Your best because You've sent the mighty person of the Holy Spirit to take us from what we are to what Jesus said we could be. And Father, we tune our spirits attentively. To what you'd have to say, my God, Father, you're my God, teach me. Please, Father, teach me. Teach me how more accurately to turn myself completely over to you. And as your children, we're so very, very careful To give you all the praise, in all the honor, in all the glory, in Jesus' precious name. And everybody says, we found out from verse 1 that Paul said concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I'd not have you ignorant. And that makes us even if there's any area I do not want to be ignorant in it is concerning the operations of spiritual gifts and we found out there's nine gifts of the Spirit that empower five ministry offices these nine gifts of the Spirit not only empower these five ministry offices but they qualify them And these five ministry offices, of course, are apostle and prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist. And these nine gifts that empower and qualify, those five offices are enveloped in eight entire operations of God that constitutes the entire body of Christ. The entire body of Christ is enveloped like a container. God does nothing outside of these eight operations. They're enveloped in a container. And these eight operations are listed from the 27th verse on. If you're born again, you are called to fill One of these eight operations. 27. Now you are the body of Christ. And individual, single members in particular. And God has set some in the church. And he gives divine order. First apostles. Secondarily prophets. Thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, which envelops and qualifies pastor and evangelist. He said, after that, miracles and gifts of healings, then helps which is the sixth operation of God, governments, which is the seventh operation of God, and finally on the bottom that all the other ones rest upon, the eighth operation of God, which is divers tongues. Right, we found out last night and last year That the reason he called it divers tongues because the word divers means different manifestations of the supernatural languages of tongues. All the other seven operations of God rest upon this one. Because of, of all the operations of God this is the one where God is freed. He is loosed by you. To get involved on the inside of your spirit, the place within you that all permanent change takes place. This is why Jesus said, out of the treasures, out of the treasury, He called it a good man's heart. He called a man's heart a treasury. He said out of the treasury of a good man's heart he speaks good things. Out of the treasury of a good man's heart good things come to pass. Out of the treasury of an evil man's heart evil things come to pass. Whatever you're producing in your heart is what you are conforming to. It is not your choice. It is only your choice to change what is in there. He called it a treasury for the same reason we call the U.S. Treasury a treasury because it contains the wealth that the United States needs to keep the wheels of progress turning. They turn to the U.S. Treasury for the power. And it is your human spirit that supplies all the power under the residency of the Holy Spirit to provide all permanent change that must take place in your character to be the more than conqueror that Jesus said you could be. Why do you think the devil fought tongues so hard? Why do you think he is so dreadfully fearful of that seemingly lowly operation that you and I have come for the most part to remain almost indifferent to? What is it about him that made him eliminate it through the dark ages and discredit it in the great Azusa Street Pentecostal age? What is he so afraid of? Out of all the operations of God, the seven rest upon this one. And it's this operation that you have invited the person of the Holy Spirit to move in on the inside and begin to effect change in the part of you all permanent change comes from. This is why he says, it is through the Spirit that you mortify The deeds of the body. Many of you through extreme disciplined willpower have disciplined yourself against certain things of the flesh only to your dismay to have them grow back because you failed to kill the root. You must understand who it is that has come to take up his residency on the inside of you you must for this to have any kind of effect upon you you must understand who you have received in this eighth operation of God you must if I could push on your earlobe and your spirit would produce a photograph I could pull that photograph out and examine it and it would be an exact picture of the circumstances that surround your life. If your life at that point wasn't like the picture, it would not be very long that it would once again conform to it. I was driving through Tulsa. I seen a house with the picket fence falling down and the paint peeling and the screen door falling off cars on blocks sitting in the yard grass overgrown and the Lord said to me the outside of that house is an exact picture of the insides of the man who lives in it I ran home and mowed my lawn He said, the difference between that man and Walmart, Sam Walton, he says, do you know the difference? Do you know the difference? I said, yeah, about eight billion. He said, no, the only difference between the two is what's working on the inside of the man. You can take that. He'll win the lottery. He'll win the lottery and buys him a big fat house. Gets him a swimming pool. Gets him a new Corvette. And it ain't very long. The pools are gunked up. The houses are beat up. And the lawn is overridden. Because the man has no initiative. I can preach to you the love of God. I can beg you. I can exhort you. I can extol you. You've got to know about the love of God. I can coerce you. But I can't open you up. And put it on the inside of you. It's beyond my limitations. I can tell you about initiative. Such a powerful force. That it can cause you to conquer anything. But I can't open you up. And put it on the inside of you. And this is what us preachers we've been guilty of. We've, through denominationalism, struck a dependency upon the people to us. They look to us and we've dominated them by super submission and fear. We've caused them to look to us and we've controlled them instead of doing what we were supposed to do, make disciples out of them and teach them how to turn themselves over in the eighth operation to the Holy Ghost so He can change them and turn them over to Jesus and strike a dependency on Him and not you. Yes, our goal is supposed to be to get you to a place, till they threw you in a prison in Siberia? Did you'd smile out of the jail cell and you'd say, "I am complete in him." I am complete in Him. What do you think the devil's fought the eighth operation so hard? Divers' tongues. Men of giant intellect and talent and charisma Oh, they love to bypass that aid operation. And if they can run a government of God in the natural, then they will be glory-hunting, intelligent, charismatic, talented men who will do it. And let me tell you something most of them do not mind harvesting you year after year to build their empire and they'll take your wool in the middle of the winter they'll keep building their empire because the glory and admiration of men and success is as addictive as cocaine and they'll lay you on the altar and shear you during the winter and you won't even know who did it they don't care if you go year after year through their operation and come out the other side and you're not a bit different than when you went in right. they don't care you want to know why there's a limit of 12,000 on the churches It hurt me as much as anybody my father told me he says I haven't been able to get this bunch of preachers yet to the place where they can instill enough in the people so they'll quit fighting with each other and peeling off What are you doing? Hanging around playing with emotions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You let the devil talk you out of prayer? You're not going to be very happy in eternity that that rat beats you out of your reward. <laughs> Why the eighth operation? it's the operation that you enter the government of God upon. Born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. It's supposed to be simultaneous. You're not supposed to have one without the other. It's the level we enter God's government. Because that is the level that we release Him to get involved on the inside of our spirit. And the reason He called it Diver's Tongues is because there is four major Diversities of this supernatural language of tongues. Number one, tongues for personal edification. Number two, tongues that presents itself in a public assembly for the sole purpose of interpretation. Number three, Tongues that extends itself into the deep intercessional groanings of the Spirit and empowers a believer to stand in the gap for his family, his city, his nation before his God, and the fourth diversity. Tongues that transcends your intellect and empowers you to preach, teach, or testify in any language you had no previous knowledge of. And that's assigned a sign to the unbeliever personified when suddenly your interpreter falls down dead and suddenly the ushers mm-hmm. carry him out and suddenly the Holy Spirit rises up and you begin to go Sandakari bo and everybody goes That's good. I'm pretty soon. They're crawling out of their chairs on their knees and you're going, what'd I say? what did I say? Well, you didn't say nothing. (laughs) See, it's what he said. And last night we started to examine the life changing forces of two of those diversities. Now, two of them are designed for public use, tongues for interpretation, and tongues is assigned to the unbeliever, and two of them is designed by God for your private use. Even if you're in a prayer group, they're designed for your use, and that's tongues for personal edification, and tongues that extends itself in the deep intercessional groanings, and those two are as different from each other as night and day. Hallelujah. <laughs> I wished that I could speak with, with tongues as a sign to the unbeliever anytime I want. I can't. I know I can't. I've tried it. I wished I could slip over into tongues for deep intercessional groanings anytime I want. I can't. If I could, I'd fill this place in a month. I can't. I wished I could. I wished I could even operate in tongues for interpretation anytime I want. I can't. How do you know? I've tried it. (laughs) Why would he say, let him pray that he might interpret? And why bother pray about it if the interpretation is always automatic? There's only one of these diversities of tongues. And it's in the one-fourth that I can operate anytime I want, as much as I want, just because I want to, because all the rest of them were designed by God to flow through you for the edification of others, where this fourth diversity is designed by God to flow to you for your own personal edification. So He has done with this one what He has done with no other in the eighth operation, in your spirit where God lives. He has made you the steward of your own operation. He's made you the steward of your own edification because He has released that gift to you to use any time that you please. You must understand who has come to the inside of you to take up His abode. You must understand this. Don't you know who is representing you? The other day when I was standing in the prayer center, God started talking to me. It humbled me so hard. He said, people consider it a sacrifice to come and spend three hours in prayer two or three times a week. They consider it a sacrifice. I went, my God, that's when the revelation hit. They consider it a sacrifice to report their precious self-exalted time down to an auditorium. A sacrifice to let God, God, God pray for you for three hours. And just in case we're so stupid that we don't know how to pray in English, he brought his own prayer language. It's called tongues. And you consider it a sacrifice to hold up somewhere for three hours and let God issue forth prayers on the behalf of changing your prayer programmed from the inside out in your character flaws. That's a sacrifice for you. Think about him. He's the one that had to come and live with you. (laughs) You have got to know who has come to take up his abode. Because I know the way the religious mind thinks, it thinks, oh yeah, God, Jehovah, wow, God. And then you step down a step and you say, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, my Redeemer. Then you step down a step and you say, the Holy Spirit, yeah, you've been baptized? Yeah, I spoke with tongues three years ago you don't know what you got. But because before the actual universe came into existence, the Godhead Coexisted one with another. Co-equal in every aspect. All three stood face to face. The Greek breakdown says that their breaths were blasting in each other's face, at their eyes, their ears. They stood in a triune, triangle, face to face, co-equal in every aspect, every way. And when you say, God created the universe, you're saying, the three persons of God acting as one brought the thing into existence you can't step down when you start analyzing that you received the Holy Spirit what's the matter with you you can't step down Only for the role of creation and redemption did the triune Godhead take on the roles of Planner, the Father, Creator, Redeemer, the Son, Caretaker, Regenerator, the Holy Spirit. An anthropomorphism is characteristics that's possessed by humanity that God assigned to himself so that your mind could understand his intentions towards you. John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Greek puts a pigtail on it. It says, no, not one single thing. And you've got to understand this verse. It says, in the beginning, before anything had a beginning. In the beginning, before any of this natural universe existed, in the beginning, before anything had a beginning, was the Logos. That's what it says. In the beginning before anything had a beginning. It's making reference to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning God created the heavens and earth way back there. When he spawned this whole universe. By an act of his creative will. And John one is talking about it. He said in the beginning before anything had a beginning was the logos. And the Logos was with Jehovah. And the Logos stood, actual Greek, face to face, co-equal with the mighty Jehovah in every aspect. All Things were made by the Logos. God the Father took the role as planner and planned the entire universe in the mighty Logos. He took the role as creator. And all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. No, not one thing. And then in the 14th verse, He says, He was in this world. And the world was made by Him. Inevitably. Inevitably. The day will come when you will behold the Lamb face to face, not through a glass darkly the veil of this flesh, He said, face to face, and you will know as you're known, and that's speaking in respect to love and what it's saying, that you're going to finally see the culmination of the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ, and you're finally going to know and understand the love that He has loved you with the whole time. And inevitably, you're going to stand face to face, with that glorified man who is as much God as he is man. That's why the Ark of the Covenant was gopher wood overlaid with gold. And inside of the Ark it had the broken tablets and Aaron's rod that budded. These were representations of man's sin that Jesus took into himself. And the wood represented his humanity and the gold his deity. And in his humanity as a glorified man. He has made you his equal and he has wrapped his arm around you and called you his brethren but my friend that glorified man is as much God as the mighty Jehovah and every grain of sand you're standing on was from the substance of that being that we have come to know and love as Jesus in Genesis In the beginning, whenever that was, the multi, multi multi-billions of years and eons of times past, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, whenever that was. And then the second verse of Genesis, and the earth was void, without shape or form. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. We don't know how many billions of years ago He created the earth, but we do know this: when the caretaker, the regenerator, the mighty person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, when He took the role in creation as restorer, caretaker, and regenerator, He entered this galaxy some seven thousand. Thousand years ago, the sun had been put out. And the earth was under multi-billions of metric tons of ice, frozen in a void. And in seven days, the regenerator remodeled this earth. Six days. And made it habitable for this new creation that God was about to bring into existence. This God-man that he would call his son. Hallelujah! You've got to know who you have received. When we say God created the universe, we're speaking of the three persons of God acting as one. Although they are three in persons, they are one in essence. They all three consist of exactly the same essence. Although there are three persons, one is in no way diminished from the other, nor the other from the other. They're co-equal in every aspect. They're one in essence, and their essence is Absolute sovereignty, absolute righteousness, absolute judgment, absolute immutability, absolute love, and absolute eternal life, omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. They consist of those nine ingredients, and all three have exactly the same essence and when the holy spirit took the role as regenerator he moved into your life and he said i will take the same power that i restored a dead planet back to life with and i will restore this fallen adamic race back to god And if they're so stupid, they don't know how to pray, I'll just bring my own prayer language along with me so we can get something done. It's called the eighth operation, Tongues for Personal Etification. Let's look at this a little closer. We're going to touch on two of these forces just a little bit more tonight. And I feel him changing me. I feel miracles. Glory. God. The Holy Ghost. Is in here. He's in me. He's in you. And my friend. The filling of your operation. Is ever bit as important. As the fulfilling of Mine. Don't let no one diminish you. Don't let these preachers come in and think they're something and diminish you and treat you like you're a dog. You're not a dog. Your call is as important as mine and mine as yours. And I'm supposed to introduce you to the Holy Ghost so He can introduce you to your call. He will purge the reason you're failing right out of you. If you give Him a chance it's through the Spirit that you're mortified well let's go on look a little bit further again at the 29th verse he said are all prophets God forbid no are all teachers boy that's quite evident you know you get a good one he can't keep up with his schedule that ought to tell you something Everybody wants them. Well, what are the other ones doing? Oh, they're mailing out thousands of flyers begging for meetings. (laughs) Well, we thought this is the way you do it. What's the matter with you? You want to go into a building and yell at a bunch of saints and have them give you some money so you can live? Is that what you want? You want to teach people the gospel? You can grab a bunch of people and make them stand still and start teaching them. You get good enough, God will promote you. <laughs> but they don't pay me. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell the motivation there. <laughs> Are all teachers? God forbid, no. Are all workers of miracles? Well, that's evident because that one's pretty hard to fake. of course you can sneak a few things in the service and appear to have signs and wonders if you you want to You you can fool the gullible little sheep we're supposed to be elders that are feeding the flock as examples I hate it when preachers jump up and say well you know when you go to a meeting just chew the meat and spit the bones out you're the sheep we're the ones that's supposed to chew it up before you get it. If there's any bones in it, we're supposed to find them. We're your teacher, instructor, elder. We're not supposed to leave it up to you. He said, are all workers of miracles? Well, that's evident. That's hard to fake. Have all gifts of healing? Certainly not. Do all speak with tongues? At one time that would give me problems until the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day and he says, don't you think you're regular ignorant concerning this verse? He made me keep looking at the eighth operation. It's called diverse tongues. That's diversities. And notice at the end of this, he tagged, do all speak with tongues as an operation of God and do all interpret. He was talking about this second Diversity. Which is tongues for interpretation. Not the first one where he makes his entry into your spirit and begins to pray for your broken down old character. He's talking about the second diversity. That's why he tagged do all interpret. Not everyone is used in tongues and interpretation. You can pray that way. But not everyone is used that way. But everyone has been called to receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, Forbid not these people to speak with tongues. And he went on to say something absolutely incredible. He said, Covet earnestly the best gifts. And that word covet so strong that in the Ten Commandments he warned against the negativeness of it. Thou shalt not covet because it's such a lustful, intense burning that it will drag you along against your will if possible. But when you turn it to the positive, he said covet earnestly. The best gifts mean to be consumed from the inside, to lay hold to grass, to pull into yourself, to covet earnestly. The best gifts I can tell you, I can settle the controversy on what the best gift is. When you find out what operation he separated you to, then you'll find out what gift to covet. If it helps governments, pastor, evangelist, he has gifts that goes with your operation and you're to covet down. Right. Yeah. Gloria. He said covet earnestly. Grasp, pull into yourself, lay hold on relentless pursuit of the best qualifying gifts. And then he said the most incredible thing. He says, Yet I show unto you a more excellent way. A more excellent way to do what? A more excellent way to covet earnestly the best gift. And I may lay hold of the ministry because my father was a preacher. The mantle may have been passed down, per se. And I may covet to do good because my daddy did good. And I may drag myself into church because I know it's the best thing for my family, but my heart's not really in it. So I covet the things of God because I know it's the thing to do. There may be a thousand and one reasons. The preacher may preach hell's fire and brimstone until torment is reeking out of every cell in my body and I'm so afraid of God I can't spit. And all I have to do is lay out of church for three weeks and I'll forget what he said. That's not going to take me the gauntlet. You can preach responsibility. What's the matter with you, you irresponsible bunch of sheep? I tell you what's the matter with them. They're a mirror. you looking at yourself. You can preach the heaviness of responsibility, my friend, and that will only hold them so long. That's why he says, go on, covet earnestly, the best guess, but I'm going to show you a more excellent way to apprehend the fullness of everything God's called you to be. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and do not develop the love of God... I am a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. You want to save yourself a lot of time, then go after the love of God. And the reason he mentioned the ability to speak with tongues of men and angels before he mentioned the love is because you may be able to speak with it, but it's a far cry from using it. Because if you use it, my friend, you're going to be on the hot pursuit of love. That, that love charity is love in action. And then he sets off a sequence of events. Did you know the progression that this takes is divine order? And the reason he mentioned tongues of men and angels is because this is where the power begins. Now watch the sequence of events. I grant you the subject here is apprehend love. That's the subject. The rest of it it is sequence in the order that it takes place. Now watch this divine order from the eighth operation up. Here she goes. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not this love in action, You can be filled with the Holy Ghost and be hateful. He said, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. The next progression that's a result from praying in tongues is, though I have the gift of prophecy, that'll be the result of praying in tongues. Tongues and interpretation equal prophecy. The reason if I suddenly go zonda I have spoke a mystery out of my spirit that God prompted me to speak then I speak to you after getting your attention in your spirit the meaning of that mystery and that is an interpretation a prophecy is when God reaches down and pulls a mystery out that's already in your spirit that's why it's the simple gift for edification exhortation and comfort and not to guide people people's lives with he that prophesies in Romans 12 let him prophesy according to the proportion of faith that's been delivered to him you can't prophesy outside of the understanding of the mysteries that are on the inside of your spirit if he's got nothing to pull out you're a dumb prophesier This is progression. Ooh, watch the next one. Oh, my God. Oh, and I have the gift of prophecy. Oh, my God. And understand all mysteries. Well, that's why he could prophesy. What mysteries are we talking about? Go to the 14th chapter and the 2nd verse. For he, 14 and 2, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men. You're not talking to men, but unto God. Your spirit is in divine communication with God himself. For no man understands him. It's not tongues for interpretation, it's tongues for edification. Then what is he doing? Look! How be it? In the Spirit He speaketh. Mysteries. Though I have prophecy and understand all mysteries. What mysteries? My God, I meditated on this. It's the same mysteries that God made reference to when He said... the mysteries that Paul was made a minister of the manifold wisdom and mysteries of God. It's making reference to exactly the same mysteries that's been hid in God since before the foundations of the world but now has been made available to you and I the church dispensation of grace because God the Holy Ghost has moved in and the second progression if I pray in tongues and I understand all mysteries and the mystery he's talking about is Christ in you the hope of glory everything that he is in me and to me and through me the hope of glory Paul prayed in tongues and he said I think my God I speak with tongues more than you all and he was responsible for three quarters of the revelation knowledge Recorded in the New Testament where did he get it his spirit continually communed with God and God continually answered and divine secrets and mysteries which has been hid from the ages but now has been made manifest to the church of God Christ in you the hope of glory man we're taking that 8th operation up we're empowered now with prophecy and helps and governments and mysteries while we can understand how to run a helps and government ministry just like Jesus did because all he does on the inside of you is want to government all he does on the inside of you is wants to help All he does on the inside of a teacher is he wants to teach a missionary. He just wants to take him overseas and win the lost. That's all Christ in you wants to do. And that mystery will come out. Oh, pardon me. You don't have time to pray. Boy, this gets good. Look at the next progression. Oh my God. Understand all mysteries. Oh my God. And have all knowledge. You mean all of this is, is, is happening because of that lowly eighth operation? <laughs> uh, what's he talking about have all knowledge? I can tell you exactly. He that searches my heart's the Holy Spirit. He does it knowing what God's mind is for my life. The mind of the Spirit. He makes intercession for me according to the will of God. And I'll pray in the Holy Ghost. And if my operation is helps in governments, He may make me a multi-billion businessman. So I'll pray the mystery of what Christ is to me in that area. And that fastens a pillow, a pillar, a great big white pillar like a Roman temple. You know. Then I get over here and pray mysteries until I understand the principles of giving and receiving and the mystery of that pillar is erected. And I step over here and pray the mystery of love until my heart is reaping for the lost in that pillar until the whole building is built and the building represents knowledge. Whew. My God, then what does it produce? Would you believe all faith to move mountains? Did you read ahead? (laughs) Would you look at this and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge? And though I have all faith... I have all faith notice the kind he talked about though I have all faith so I could move mountains and have not this love that I'm nothing and then after the mountain moving faith he talks about ultimate giving and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor this man came to that place and he could give his body to be burned and still he said if I have not the love, I'm sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Let's talk about this progression. Of course, he outlines the love and it gets tough. It's long-suffering. It seeks not its own. It thanks no evil. It's kind. It only thanks good. Oh, he'll outline it for you. But you don't want me to catch you all up in one night, do you? so let's talk about the progression that this set off this lowly gift of though I have tongues the eighth operation of men and angels prophecy mysteries knowledge faith giving set it all off how why let's talk about personal edification and let's talk about the deep intercessional groanings for a moment Then I must stop If you thought revival was easy, then why can you count on two hands in any generation, the man, the woman, or the group of, quote, intercessors that's brought it? If the devil wasn't a conniving, scheming, murdering, devious genius then why didn't every group that jumped up and screamed, we gonna pray revival in our city? And a year later, the same bunch didn't even hardly know their name. You remember last year when all of you people floated and we gonna, boy, I tell you what, that was a wonderful five weeks. What'd you last? Four months? If you think you're up against a foe that doesn't have your number and studied you for 6,000 years, then you ask yourself, why aren't they bringing revival? You want to know how the devil works. You don't need to look at somebody slobbering and the devil coming out of him. That's where the rubber meets the road. He's got something much more ingenious planned for you. Jesus said you wouldn't have to be wise as serpent, harmless as doves if the devil didn't strike to kill. And when he strikes, he does not plan on you surviving the blow. Yet he says I must be wise as a serpent as and harmless as a dove. You know why Jesus said that? You know how much smarter God is than the devil? I can't use venom to kill with. But I'm still smarter than that rat. He wouldn't say you had to be wise as a serpent but harmless as a dove if if his arsenal was not full of weaponry. That can only be combated by the Holy Ghost wisdom of God. Where do you think these donkeys brand in barns come from lining the streets and you walk into their churches and they're denying half the things. Some of them have wrote other Bibles. Some of them are praying to saints. And you walk in and you say, is your doctrine inspired by God? They'll throw you out on your ear. They say, yes, it is. Where did these 20th century intelligent men come to that conclusion? If they're not against a conniving, scheming, murderous, full of wisdom foe, that will kill you with a hangnail. Don't fool with him. Amen. God had to give you the Holy Ghost and you won't use Him. And wondered why you're wandering around failing all the time. Don't you think that you have to do anything? I always wondered why Paul called himself the chiefest of sinners said how could this be a Pharisee of the Pharisees concerning the law Blame less. if he made the statement he meant it and to carry out every precept ever concept every ordinance of the law it required a man with the, the character steel of the San Francisco branch don't kid yourself At the age of three, he was studying the law seven hours a day in memorization with 30 minutes for his lunch. He said, concerning my peers that lived in my generation, I have excelled beyond all of them. He says, yet those things that I counted, gain for me. He says, I count them but dung on a scale, one to ten. He says, they're all a manure pile. He says, that I may know him, that I may be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is by the law. He said that I may be found in him yet a man like this called himself the chiefest of sinners Why? When Jesus Christ of Nazareth intercepted Saul of Tarsus breathing slaughterings and threatenings on the road to Damascus He said who is this? He said, it is Jesus, Paul, Saul. I am he whom you persecute. And it is hard to kick against the pricks you're losing. If you're kicking this thing, you're fighting a losing battle. Paul called himself the chiefest of sinners because he was leading people away from God and the born again experience believing he was doing God a service. So you tell me, who's the chiefest of sinners? The mafia dope king who arrests your children's bodies on addictive habits that destroys them? Or the supreme kingpin of the Jehovah Witnesses. I can tell you who. It's not the Florida Dope King. You bring them boys Jesus, they'll take him. But bring Jesus to a Jehovah Witness and he'll throw you out on your ear. You want to look at the devil face to face? He's not slobbering, coming out of someone. When you look back over five years of your life, not understanding that the rewards that will be maintained throughout all eternity is what you worked here, yet you did nothing, and you wonder what the devil looks like. But I got problems. There ain't a saint that ever lived, didn't overcome them to do something. What do you want an excuse? why do you think he said the weapons of our warfare they're not carnal why don't you give it up they're not carnal but they're mighty through God to pulling down the strongholds fortress us You don't have to go very far to find out what kind of fortresses he's talking about that can be erected in a person's life. The next verse says it, casting down imaginations, which the Greek breaks down to say, casting down elaborate systems of thoughts. And the next verse, that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, Greek. The strongholds are elaborate systems of thoughts. Systems of thoughts that have the audacity to exalt their against the knowledge of God with the intent to unseat Him in your life. Now you're looking at Him. Yet He gave you the eighth operation. He said if you speak with tongues, you are speaking mysteries of everything Christ is in you, the hope of glory. You're activating the anointing in you that cannot lie and teaches you all things. He said, concerning those that seduce you, you have no need that any man teach you, but that anointing which you received of him that abides within you is truth and cannot lie. Is he saying do away with the teachers? No. No. But he says, concerning those that seduce you, you have no need that any man teach you. What if I'm the one that's seducing you? How am I going to open you up and put an anointing in you that will tell you you're being seduced? How am I going to open you up and put love in there? How am I going to open you up and put initiative in there? How am I going to open you up and take the hurt and pain from abortions and molestation away? I can't. But I can turn you over to Him that can. And He has been charged above, first of all, to reveal Jesus in you. His name is the Holy Ghost. He said concerning those that seduce you you have no need that any man teach you that anointing you seed of him which abides in you is truth and cannot lie and it will teach you all things. I can't open you up and put that in there but I'll tell you what will happen. You learn the art of enduring prayer. Give a little of yourself exalted life up. learn the art of enduring prayer of sitting there with a group of people I can't wait for the day we have 10,000 prayer people in Tulsa you want to know who the unsung heroes they'll be sung in heaven you're prayer people you just sit there and learn the art of enduring prayer it doesn't matter if you're screaming except you wear yourself out well I'm screaming at the devil no you're not you're in the first stages of personal edification you're not screaming at nobody. You're changing yourself. So just shut up and sit there and whisper or pray quietly under your breath. But keep on praying. Sondakarasa. The days will go by. The weeks will go by. The months will go by. And you're setting a so karasa. And those mysteries will start activation and cast light into every dark area of your life. And those obstacles that kept you from winning last year will be drugged. Screaming and kicking into full examination. Even if you are self-exalter, the Holy Ghost will bring you face to face with yourself. <laughs> and he starts dragging those things out, and some of them don't want to die. Self exaltation is a hard one to kill. You, know, you get to pray and pretty soon it declares war on your mind. It's, I'm not giving my position up. I'm not giving it up. I'm not up. And you go in and you pray and the anointing rises and says, give it up, give it up, give it up. I'm not give it up, give it up, give it up. Pretty soon you run to people that say, you can pray too much in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, let me tell you what happened to me last year. I prayed six months and got depressed. You idiot. You wouldn't let that thing die. Some of you captured by tight waddiness. You can't come down and pray in the Holy Ghost because He deals with your character. You quit and keep your money. Enjoy it. You're not taking it with you. You don't think you'll have a position in heaven? You'll have one. In the crowd. Just like you are now. And if you know how the Father honored the Lamb for shedding His blood, He's the talk of the universe. And anybody that gives their life for it is the talk of the universe. And the exaltation and honor of the Lamb is the most sought after thing in the entire universe. And you're throwing it away because you're full of flesh. So you pray. Five or six months depends on how deep... Those things are buried that sealing your life. Those handles that stick out. And every time you try to do something for God, the devil comes by and twists it until your emotions overpower you and you fail again and again. And why you got handles? Holy Ghost jobs to mortify them. Through the Spirit you mortify the eighth operation and you pray and pretty soon these handles start falling off and you say Louise I had the roughest time prayer. I came depressed for three months and prayed but I found out even though I didn't feel like I was getting through that I was producing even more than when I was free flowing you know but it feels good I was producing more. Yes, you was because you was getting past what stopped your life last time. Yes, you are. Then handle after handle dies. And one day God comes by for an examination. He says, they only got a few little insignificant handles left. I don't believe the devil can use them hardly. And God picks you up by the neck of the neck and says, my daughter, it is time for intercession." as I had a bunch of people going to hell for months I couldn't find anybody to stop them but you've got rid of your handles He takes you by the neck and the neck suddenly, supernaturally not severally as you will severally as He wills He comes upon you and you find yourself in a compassionate sometimes lost state you feel so lost That agony comes and you cry and you bawl that God is actually using your authority. You have authority in two realms, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdoms of this earth, because you've got a body and a born-again spirit. He comes through your authority. And he says, let me pour through you. I can stop this thing if somebody will lend their authority to me. Here I am. It is me places you on the path. (laughs) And them people run into you and 600 get born again. They can't get past you. Then you come out of it like you went in. And pretty soon, the devil that's the prince over Tucson sends a telegram to Phoenix. Phoenix. He sends a telegram saying, Look, there's something about to break loose here that's going to really damage our kingdom. I need some reinforcements. There's this blasted woman who has made it through to second phase operation. And we have got to stop her. And he will come and examine you for handles. Because, buddy, if he can get a hold of one, he'll twist it. And he'll make you wish you were never born. He'll try to go through your family. He'll dig a hole a mile deep and put everything in it that means anything to you and bury it. He'll fight you tooth and nail. But he can't destroy you because of peace. Dominating peace. Do you hear me? You lost the handle of fear. So God will flow to you until He can edify you and get you to a place where He can flow through you. But it isn't without great cost. Because the devil will come. And if the devil can destroy you, don't kid yourself. God can't use you in intercession. But, but why do you think there's very few revivals? God loves me. He loves me. And He's not going to slide me into that gap. The devil will jump on me because it and destroy me. Boy, when I qualify, I have the same privileges as the Apostle Paul. Oh, Lord, that I may have a messenger straight from the throne room of hell assigned to me to stop me that I be that dangerous. What a reward, stacked up blessing that is. Do you think it's without cost that the devil turns loose of a city? You all looking at me. You looking at me intently. Well, I don't think it works that way. You can think what you want. Doesn't make any difference. Think what you want. But I suggest that you learn the art of enduring prayer. And these four power flows will eventually visit you. Number one, tongues for personal edification, the revelation gift, the mysteries and knowledge, the understanding of the word is born. The love forces, the initiatives, they all put in you during that time. Hallelujah. The number two power flow is when you hit impasses. <laughs> And it slides you into a minor form of intercession to where you actually feeling the load of those things, but at the same time, your spirit is putting them to death. Hallelujah. The second power flow is, is the tongues on the slight low degree of, of groanings and in intercession. The third power flow is the full-blown deep intercessional groanings which has ever been as powerful as the workings of miracles. To throw people out of wheelchairs and watch them run off is the effect you have in the spirit when you enter into the groanings. You save people's lives. He can place you between catastrophes like the San Francisco earthquake. He can place you in there and save people's lives so they can be born again. God's bringing judgment. God ain't sending anybody to hell. You know. <laughs> the power that's in intercession is incredible. The third power flow. Deep intercessional groanings. The fourth. Fourth power flow. That will visit you from time to time. In enduring prayer. Is. Waves of glory and joy and hilarious laughter when the Holy Spirit passes through you with a report that says, a strong man has fallen. Joy, hilarious laughter, glory, you may stay under it for an hour. Waves of it. You actually visit heaven while you're here. Heaven comes. I don't care about going to heaven now. I brought it here. We're gonna take it further tomorrow night. There is a father.